I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 162 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Very positive Monday here. Coomzy, uh, the smoke has re-enveloped most of the province of Alberta, but I think if you're a Blue Jays fan, you're feeling the sun on your skin today, regardless of where you're at or what the actual weather's like. Yeah, it's good vibes only. The Arizona Diamondbacks come to town out of the All-Star break. It's kind of difficult to say what to expect from a series like that. They're a National League team. They've done quite well. They're right in the mix in the National League West, right up there with the LA Dodgers to potentially win that division. They've been enjoying kind of a breakout year, but it's really difficult to say what to expect when you when you go up against these teams. They're teams you don't really see very often. The Jays hosted them and played one of the best series we've probably seen them play this season. Good pitching from the starters, really good pitching from the bullpen outside of like one performance we'll touch on later. Tons of hits, clutch hits. Danny Jansen comes through with that basis clearing double. Whit Merrifield's hitting home runs. Vladdy hits a home run. Bo hits a home run. I mean, it was fantastic. The Jays came out in the second half and they looked really good. There's a, a lot of work for them to do to catch the Tampa Bay Rays and they also have to jump over the Baltimore Orioles and they have the Yankees and the Red Sox behind them. Those teams aren't going to go away. It's going to be a grind down the stretch and they've got to have a really, really, really good second half and they're off to a fantastic start. Yeah, I don't know if uh, with the momentum the Jays went into the break with, uh, you know, if we kind of disregard those two losses, the Tigers and, you know, managing to get the win in, in game three of that series before the break. Like if you were to paint a picture of best case scenario, I don't know if anybody maybe unless you're a super optimist that thought that you would be able to get all three games in this series because like you said the D-backs have had a great year and especially in the way that the Jays did it there's been different times this year where the offense has disappeared and you've really relied on some of the pitching and like you said the arms were good but the offense was arguably even better and I think what really propelled them to the win here you mentioned all the hits 36 hits total I believe if my math was correct over the course of these three games that is a far cry from what we've seen from from this team for the majority of the rest of this season and and yeah plenty of other positive to draw on I think starting right at the start of game one Vlad Jr. going deep off the at his first at bat after winning the home run derby I think Tyler was onto something maybe the derby's now uh fixed uh Vladdy swing because he put one about a foot from going uh over the fence again in game three too 
Yeah, honestly, it's um, it's it's important to remember. And I mean, none of us really want to hear this or talk about it because it's kind of a cheesy excuse when we talk about the schedule in the first half was really hard, especially off the hop. You start off with that big road trip. The Jays had all those games against contending teams right off the start. And then, of course, you play in the ALE. So you see those teams not as much as you used to, but you're always going up against good teams. It, it honestly kind of felt like you look at the season in kind of two chunks and they were grinding to get through that first half so that they could reach that second half and shoot themselves out of a cannon. I, I, I agree with what Tyler said. I'm, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of what the home run derby does for players. Like there's tons of examples of guys who have kind of fallen off the cliff in the second half because they goof their swing up or maybe they nick something while they're doing the home run derby. But for Vladdy, the first half really wasn't going well. Like he wasn't a bad player, but he just wasn't what people were hoping for. Like everyone, we all saw the season in 2021. That's what everybody expects him to do every single year now, no matter what didn't happen in the first half. But hey, I mean, like his his rip in Seattle there at the home run derby looked like it could have put him into a better headspace. The guy was smiling, having a great time. Like those are the vibes you want to bring back for the second half. And it looks like it's, it's kind of infected the team. They're they're The, the vibes all weekend look fantastic. I'm, and that's that's honestly one of the better series we've we've seen the team play like they're I think back to series they played like when they swept the White Sox or something like that back in April or May or whenever that was and outscored them like 22 to 2. Yeah, that's a great series, but it's against the White Sox. They're, you know, they're terrible. But but doing this against the Diamondbacks, that's impressive. Like like the Diamondbacks are a legitimately good team. They're probably going to make the playoffs. They're challenging for the National League West, which is probably the second best division in baseball behind the AL East. So winning that's a, a, a good test. And then they have San Diego coming up next. They're struggling, but there's still a ton of talent on that team. So it's another series against a team that's not just going to roll over and, and, and lose easily. Like the, the Jays beating teams like that, it, 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 it's valid to get excited about that and what that means for the second half. Yeah, it's a crazy what a, a little bit of confidence can do to not only a ball club, but individual players. And I think we're seeing that first and foremost with Vlad Guerrero Jr. But we can get into our three ups portion of the show. And I think the easiest way to go through this is just one game for each uh, representative up because they were all wins. So going back to Friday afternoon or night, I guess, uh, with that game one win, uh, seven to the final, we saw Jose Brios come out and pitch. You know, it wasn't his best game of the season, but it was still more than solid enough to to get the job done going five and a third, uh, only giving up the one earned run. And this game was kind of like almost um, leaning towards the, the D-backs favor after they tied the game up. But then later into the game, the, the Jays offense really let loose. And I think it was five hits in the seventh inning to kind of propel them to this pretty handed win. Yeah, the Barrios, um, it wasn't the, the best start that we've seen from Barrios, but it was, again, a solid one. He goes five and one third, seven hits, one walk, allows the only the one earned run, strikes out four guys. It seemed like a little bit of a quick hook from John Schneider to be pulling Barrios that quickly. But, I mean, you have a fully rested bullpen from the All-Star break. Plus, they're also navigating kind of a weird situation with Kevin Gosman, who's listed day-to-day. So it's like, yeah, maybe we're going to have to use Jose Barrios on shorter rest. So let's not, you know, work him into the ground while we have all of our relievers rested. Yeah, this was um this this was one of those games where it's like the, the clutch hitting really came through. The Jays scored two runs in the second inning. Vladdy hits that home run to kick off the second half. Everyone's really excited. Arizona winds up tying the game in the seventh inning. It's a home run that comes from Gabby Moreno, of course. We all saw that coming. Gabby Moreno hadn't hit a home run since like May. 
And naturally, he's obviously going to hit one against the Jays. Everyone saw that coming. Good for him. Like, I'm, 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 I know a lot of Jays fans have kind of like a negative sentiment towards that trade. Uh, I mean, we can look back at it later down the road and decide who the winner or loser was, but I'm not actively rooting against Gabby Moreno or Lourdes Guriel to do poorly in Arizona. So it looks better for the Jays. Doesn't really matter. You like to root for former Jays. And then they just pop off with a bunch of runs in the seventh inning. Brandon Belt drives and runs. Matt Chapman, Whit Merrifield, Danny Jansen. The Jays just pop off for five runs there. Um, that's kind of the interesting thing that we see from this team is they're really capable of scoring in bunches. They're going to drive you bananas a whole bunch of times when they leave runners on. You know, they'll have, they'll, they'll get runners on second and third, three innings in a row, and then they finally bust through. That's really what it felt like in this Arizona series. It was over and over and over again. They just always had guys on. And while it's frustrating, they don't always cash them in. They don't run up the scores like maybe they could. Our people feel they should, but in this series, they got a lot of clutch hits. And when you always have guys on, eventually runs are going to score. Yeah. And you mentioned Brandon Belt there. He wasn't the guy that we had listed here specifically in terms of really stood out in the series as a whole. But I think if you look at that as one of the big name offseason acquisitions, I think he's really rounding into form at this point, whether it be in just simply getting on base, he draws a ton of walks. It is immaculate how well he can do that. Uh, his eye at the plate, but he is starting to get the actual bat going a little bit here. And, and we saw that in game one in particular. So um, into our second up, which was game number two, this one had a little bit, it felt like you were kind of off kilter right at the start because of the fact Chris Bassett making the, you know, if you want to call it an emergency start, I guess you can. But uh, he comes in in place of Gosman, who, like you said, is dealing with a little bit of an injury. We'll touch a little bit more on that here when we get to the downs portion of the show. But Bassett comes out and, and does what he's done pretty much all year. Gives length, um, doesn't wow you. He's not Gosman throwing 12 Ks or anything, but two earned runs and, and another win on the board for the Jays. And, and Whit Merrifield um, continuing his terrific all-star caliber season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the Gosman thing, this this really looked like it was, okay, if the Jays are going to lose a game in this series, it's going to be this one because Arizona is sending out Zach Gallon. It's going to be ace on ace, two all-stars. Gallon's been a fantastic pitcher this year for the D-backs. Gosman, of course, great for the Jays, but he's scratched from his start just a few hours before with the soreness in his side and Bassett, who was supposed to be the fourth starter in the rotation, kicking off the San Diego series on Tuesday, instead gets moved up. So he's not pitching on short rest or anything, but that wasn't the spot he was expected to pitch, and he still comes through, throws a quality start, goes six innings, the seven hits, doesn't walk a guy, which is always great, uh, strikes out five, and then it's two earned runs. I mean, for 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 someone to like step in and not just make a start when they weren't expecting to, but to make a start and pitch better than the other team's ace is huge. And I mean, Bassett had some ups and downs in the first half. Like his, his last start before the all-star break was one of those games in Detroit where it looked like they were going to lose. He only goes four innings and allows three and runs, allows nine hits. And he said he was going to make some changes in the second half of the season, some things that weren't working out in the first half, but that's obviously a really good positive encouraging sign for the Jays because they need Bassett to be good down the stretch. They need him to be logging innings. He's one of those guys just like Barrios, just 
pitches like Gosman, where every time he comes out, you're expecting there to be six innings pitched so that, you know, you're not taxing your bullpen. And that's kind of how the Jays are designed to win. You have these starters that can give you depth. And then as a result, you're not always having to use your relievers. So Chris Bassett gets things off positively. Um, that it really honestly did look. I went, when I woke up and I saw that news on Saturday, the Gosman was scratched. It was like, oh man, like Zach Gallon's pitching. This game's a write off, but that's a huge, huge one for Gos- uh, Bassett there to come through for the Jays. Yeah, I was out of town at a wedding on Saturday and just like you and I, I had like full intentions of doing everything I could to whether have my phone, checking it on, uh, watching as much as I could or just listening kind of in between uh, parts of the day between the ceremony reception, etc. But then when I saw that Gosman was was scratched, I was like, oh, here. And just like you, I kind of almost preemptively penciled it in as a loss and then was just listening to it um, on the the speaker in the hotel room between ceremony and reception i was like holy crap like this is still going way better than i could have ever ever had hoped for so and i think you hit on something really important there that you need these other starters to give you uh a lot of uh depth and especially length in games because we'll talk about this here in just a second with kikuchi it's he it's not like he's pitching bad but it's just the fact that he cannot give you go deep into ball games and it's a matter of like okay if kikuchi can go for anywhere between four and five innings that's great as long as he pitches well in those four or five innings. And then you can kind of almost save a lot of your bullpen for these Kikuchi starts expecting your Barrios, your Gosmans and your Bassets to actually have a real length. And I guess coming up into the weekend here, we'll see if uh, Alec Manoa can, can maintain that momentum he got from his first start back in the majors. But uh, George Springer, another great contribution here in, uh, in game two with only the five runs Merrifield contributing with two RBIs and Springer with another two as well. So George Springer looks to looking like he's getting his second half, off for a, a great start to five for 12 with two doubles in this series as a whole game three. Uh, this one here, this game was really weird to me. It felt like one of those games where some of the smaller details about the Jays um, execution would maybe cost them the game, whether it be getting thrown out on the bases, um, some errors uh, is forced or unforced, kind of depending how you view them, I guess. But they end up coming away with the win nonetheless. Danny Jansen doing what he's done all year. And, and you've been a huge proponent of this, the fact that he just hits the right type of hits when it matters most. Like I said his out overall stats aren't going to pop off the page at you and blow you away, but he's been as clutch as it comes. Um, and the bullpen really picking up the slack for that aforementioned kind of just so, so start from UC Kikuchi. Yeah. You look at Danny Jansen's numbers and you're like, okay, 751 OPS. Like that's nice for a catcher. But then you, you look, you, you do a little bit more digging and you look at his splits in different situations. And when the bases are empty or there's a guy on first base, it's pretty much nothing. But when the bases are loaded or there's some guys in scoring position, he turns into like Barry Bonds. He's, <laughs> it's funny. We, we, we've complained so much this year about how bad the Jays are driving in runs. They're, we are always talking about their risk. Oh, Two for 15 today with risk. One for 10. It's like every single game we're talking about this. But the one guy who always seems to come through for them is Danny Jansen. And that's what he does in the third game. This looked like a game that the Jays were going to lose. Um, like you said, the defense didn't look sharp. They made two errors. Arizona scored in the first and the second inning. They were up 2 nothing. But then the Jays, you know, they score two runs in the second themselves to tie it up. And then in the eighth inning, when things are tight, Danny Jansen just kicks the door open and hits a bases clearing double. And that's, that's what 
what he's done all year. You think about his ninth inning home runs. Think about the one in Detroit when he basically just, it was highway robbery that they won that game. It was just Andy Jansen coming through in the clutch. He had one against New York earlier in the season too. It's, um, it's funny. It's very random. You, you just don't, ex- you, you'd expect a guy like, you know, Vladdy or Bo or George Springer to be your, your clutch guy, but it's been Danny Jansen and you need that. You just, there's, there's no reason to explain why it happens. He's a, a good, not great hitter, but he just comes through in those big situations and you really need guys to do that. And circling back to another point that I made earlier with the relievers, Kikuchi, yeah, not the best start, four and two thirds innings, a bit of a quick hook. But since the Jays have a very nice and well rested bullpen from two pretty quality starts before that Barrios and Bassett they're able to use Jackson Meza Trevor Richards and Jimmy Garcia and they just grind right through they they finish off the fifth inning for Kikuchi get through the sixth seventh and eighth pretty much untouched just really good relief pitching and I think really it all ultimately starts with those starters if everyone or at least you know the 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 big three your veteran three if all those guys are consistently giving you six innings then you're pretty much always going to have a rested pen for games like this for your Kikuchi games or your Manoa games if they're a bit shorter um yeah everything's everything's riding along nicely this is the way that the team played in this series is like if all things click for the Jays this is what it looks like strong starting pitching rested relievers guys are always on base some clutch hits here and there they're not you know they're not beating the wheels off of teams 15 to 10 like they did in 2015 or 2021, but it's a team that wins in a variety of different ways. And that's what we saw. And that's what we need to see the rest of the way down the stretch in order for them to find themselves back in the mix for the division. They're only six games back behind Tampa. Now it's, I, I, I had really, uh, I'll be honest. I, I, back in April and early May, I had, I had the division written off. They were, way back very quickly and we all saw the Yankees last year they just ran away with the division after their hot start but man the the Rays haven't been playing that well recently I think I um, you might be able to make an argument that it's uh, Toronto and Baltimore that that'll be there at the end of the season pushing for the division and uh, we mentioned a couple errors here in game three early to to cost them a couple runs and get guys on base in other situations they also came up with some pretty clutch double plays and back to back innings and stuff to help um, remedy some of the problems that Kikuchi had gotten himself into but uh, but otherwise yeah overall as we kind of close on our three ups part of the show like uh, the only guy we didn't really talk about too specifically was Bo Bichette, who, much like the other big names in the lineup, had a great series, four for 13 with a home run as well, um, to pair with what we already talked about, Springer and Vladdy. So as we head into the the San Diego series, and it's going to be more of a test on the pitching based on, I guess, what the Gosman situation is is looking forward because it's already said he's not going to be pitching um, heading into the weekend. I'm pretty optimistic because, like you said, the Padres lineup scares you, but they kind of like the Jays for a lot of the first half haven't put it together. And unlike the Jays, they haven't shown anything that's led us to believe that that's going to change here anytime soon. So um, heading into our three downs portion, I think it, this the Gosman situation is probably as convenient of a place as any to start. Like you said, it, it's just listed as left side soreness. I don't think he's going to be placed on the injured list. And I believe that was the statement from from um, someone within the team, whether it be management or elsewhere. So that's not the case. It's just kind of a day-to-day thing. Um, do you remember, Coomzy, where, like, do you have any recollection of this, like, flaring up somewhere in like a previous start or anything or is this something that maybe is just kind of a a symptom of you know pitching a lot in the major leagues 
I don't remember anything happening specifically, but I, I mean, Gosman was supposed to pitch in the all-star game and he opted out because he's, he's in the first half of the season, he threw over a hundred innings and he's well on his way to eclipsing his career high in innings pitch. So I wonder if it's just kind of general fatigue. Um, I think something we'll probably touch on in a few minutes is the Jays and their six man rotation with Hyunjin Ryu possibly coming back pretty soon. There's, a lot of skepticism about the idea of running a six man rotation because you're not going to get your, you know, ace starter out there every fifth day. But, you know, Gosman's thrown a ton of innings. So maybe it's not the worst idea to give him some rest here and there. I don't think it's going to be a, a big long term thing. Like, I can't remember there being a start where, you know, everyone's talking about, oh man, like Gosman looks like he's in pain. This is, this is bad news. This isn't good. It, it kind of just seems like it's a general fatigue thing. I mean, knock on wood, that's the case because <laughs> every Everything we've we've pretty much just been talking about the Jays hitting their stride and rolling along well, the team doing what they're designed to do. That kind of goes out the window if Gosman's uh, he's not in the mix. Like if he misses uh, any significant amount of time, then that's a that's a really hard injury for the Jays to navigate. He's he's been one of their MVPs this season, undoubtedly. He's been a fantastic pitcher. He always gives them length. He always gives them a chance to win. Even when they're not giving him any run support, it's, you know, they're always right in the game. So let's hope this is something that's just short term. That's everything, every, all, every indication from the Jays is that it's just day to day. He's not going to go on the IL. It's just precaution. It's probably best to err on that side. You don't want to have him be injured in, you know, July or August. You need Gosman healthy down the stretch. And uh, our our second down also comes from the pitching side of things. It's this Mitch White situation can be looking at two different ways. I think one, it's like, oh, for goodness sake, like this is a guy that you were hoping to count on for a lot of quality innings as like a stretch man and stuff because he has thrown stuff as a starter before, whatever the case. And so it's like it's disappointment in terms of his actual performance. But then at the same time, this him being bad might give a little bit more clarity and less um, question marks surrounding what the bullpen and the pitching staff is going to look like um, when Hyunjin Ryu does make his return, which seems we're going to talk about this on the other side of the break. But like, looks like it's going to be coming closer and closer with each time he gets out there in a rehab stint. So I think it's a matter of the fact that whatever you decide to do, whether it is a six man rotation or moving, probably I would think Kikuchi to the bullpen it's not going to be a much of a question in terms of who is going to be the odd man out when that's done because uh yeah he he was just straight up not good here in this pretty brief appearance on sunday yeah, it, the, the, the bullpen was a huge positive in this series. And the one part of the bullpen that was bad, like they were dominant. I think outside of Mitch White, they only allowed one or two earned runs. It might have just been the one home run by Gabby Moreno off of Trevor Richards, where you're just kind of like, you know what? We all knew it was going to happen, whatever. But the bullpen was pretty much untouchable the rest of the series, except for in the third game when they're up seven to two. In the ninth inning, Mitch White comes in for his first appearance of the series. He's, you know, the, the last arm in the bullpen. He's the mop up guy now and he's only able to record two outs and he walks three guys and uh, three runs come in to score. So suddenly it's seven to five and it's a save situation for Eric Swanson. And this is exactly what you didn't want to do because Jordan Romano has not been available in this series. Your closer is not there because he got hurt on all uh, during the all-star game. And <laughs> you'd really, really like to just kind of run away with that seven to two win and have your mop up guy just, you know, do what the title suggests, which is mop it up. And if Mitch White can't come into a seven two game and finish things off, then 
there just there isn't really a spot for him on the roster. It's you know it's 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 unfortunate because there's a reason the Jays acquired Mitch White last year. He was a pretty good pitcher for the LA Dodgers, and he came over last year and he struggled. But kind of the glass half full approach was you know 2020 they got Ross Stripling to be your you know five six starter swing man guy out of the bullpen and when when he first came over in 2020 he didn't pitch well at all he struggled and it took him a while for him to kind of find his group but the time 2022 rolled around and he filled into the rotation for Ryu after he had Tommy John surgery stripling was fantastic for the Jays so the hope was okay give Mitch White some time he'll you know it's a new environment for him he'll figure it out but that just hasn't happened and it's you know he doesn't have options they can't just send him to AAA and have him figure it out in Buffalo he has to be on the team or he goes through waivers so the Jays are a contending team and they have to field their best roster each game so they can give themselves a chance to win this division. And if, if you have a pitcher at the back of your bullpen that just straight up can't really get the job done, then no matter what you gave up for him in the trade, you might just have to move on. And the Jays might be in that situation soon when Kenjin Ryu is coming back soon. Chad Green, the reliever they signed in the offseason, used to pitch for the Yankees. He's coming back in probably a month or so as well. Like there's only so many spots to go around. No, yeah, that's it. You put that perfectly. It's just going to be a matter of, um, who can, uh, who can make the most of the opportunities. And, and yeah, this was his one chance in the, in the series and, and he pretty much botched it. So, um, to wrap up our three downs portion, this is one that comes with something you've alluded to a couple of times. Almost, um, you kind of look at it with a, a bit of a grin, despite the fact that it does almost hurt you more on the inside than the outside. So Dalton Varsho, uh, the, probably biggest name acquired over the course of the offseason, at least in terms of the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and that trade from Arizona been well documented at this point. Gabby Moreno, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and the Diamondbacks as a whole having great series. That pretty much carried on here. Uh, you mentioned Moreno's home run, and Gurriel looked like a man possessed in this series. Yeah. I mean, he's had a great year. We saw him at the All-Star game. pretty up, What was almost a game-winning home run off of the Jays' closer, and then said Romano got hurt. But besides all that, Gur- Gurriel, outfield assists, um, hits, great catches. That one diving catch he made on the field was just terrific. Like He he was on a mission here to, to make a statement, and he did really well. Varsho on the other side only had two hits in the series, several Ks on it, and it just we keep waiting for Varsho to bust out, and yes, his fielding has been terrific, and that was part of the big reason of acquiring him in addition to being the left-handed bat, but yeah, this offense that we've expected all year, it's there's been glimmers and in, in small segments of it, but just not sustainable enough to um, to be content with, I think, when you look what's on the other side of this trade. Yeah, you'd, you'd kind of just think that this would have been a great opportunity for Varsho to kind of get things going. Oh, like to preface this, we'll say like he's been everything the Jays asked for and more defensively with with what he's providing the outfield. He's been one of, if not the best defensive outfielders in Major League Baseball this season, and that's great. But the bat just straight up hasn't come around at all. And I mean, we're talking about like outside of a somewhat hot first week or so to the season. He's got like a 600 OPS since then. Like uh, we're, we're looking at like a glove only, like below replacement level bat right now. And I mean, this would have been like a, a, a perfect series to just really get it going with the bat. You're going up against the team that traded you away. You're going up against pitchers that you're really familiar with. Remember, Varsha was a catcher when he was with the Diamondbacks. 
So, I mean, he's probably pretty familiar with a lot of the pitchers that he's going up against. And um, Guriel, he had a great series. He goes, um, I think he had, yeah, it was five hits in 11 at bats. He, like you said, he had the great defense in the outfield. That wasn't always what we saw from him here. We, we know about the arm. He had that cannon of an arm. It was, um, I forget who the runner is, but it was, I remember the uh, Dan Shellman saying, like, you should know better than to test Guriel's arm. He's got a cannon. And I mean, he, he was clearly motivated coming back to Toronto and playing against the team that traded him away in front of the fans that gave him a great applause. And when you look at it from Varsho's perspective, it's like this really seemed like the the perfect time to kind of have that same thing, like get into a good groove in the second half facing your old team. And it just didn't happen. And I mean, I'm not bringing this up as a down because I want to rag on the guy. It's more I'm bringing it up as a down because it's you kind of feel bad for him at this point. Uh, BK brought that up um, in our, our all-star break podcast. It's like, you're watching Varsho out there and it looks like he's gripping the bat so tight and he looks so frustrated. He wants to be good so badly. He wants to contribute and it's just not coming and you feel for the guy. The pressure's the pressure's significant. Like the the two guys they gave away, one was a fan favorite, one's a top prospect. Like it's not easy shoes to fill and you know um it's it's getting hard to imagine him now having a hot streak at any point this season. It's starting to wonder like is is that ever going to come? Maybe not. Yeah, I, I'm still holding out hope because we, you and I have talked about this several times. He's like, I, I see myself in him as a ball player in the different positions played, left-handed bat, yada, yada. We've we talked about that before. but And I even to the point he's, you talked about like against your former team seems like the perfect time. In game one is part of my uh, very typical Blue Jays game day, same, same game parlay, pardon me, that it's like, yeah, he's got to get a stick out there at some point. And he did. Was that only one of two hits he had in the whole series? Yes, but that's still okay. And the parlay lost because Rios missed on his strikeout over by just one. But that's, you know, I could have another whole podcast talking about how much I lose at gambling by missing one leg on parlays and stuff. So we, we won't even dive into that. Um, lots of other stuff to talk about here, including the aforementioned high engine Ryu, Um, Maybe some Blue Jays trade targets coming down the board and we'll take a look around the rest of the AL East before looking ahead to San Diego. But first, we'll step aside for a quick break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
So the pitching staff, we talked about a lot before the break and how the pen has been great outside of Mitch White, the Gosman injury. I think a lot of what is going to be decided about Ryu's place is what is going to happen or what Alec Manoa does both in this start against San Diego. And then if he gets another one in before a decision is needed to be made on Ryu. Yeah, this is an interesting one because so Ryu made another rehab start on Saturday. This time it was at AAA and he goes five innings, only allows one earned run, doesn't walk a guy and strikes out five. So, I mean, people can say, you know, he's just pitching in the complex league, low A, it doesn't matter. But when you're going up to AAA and you're getting those results, like that is most certainly a positive. And you you mix all of his outings together now. It's been, I think, 12 innings all told over the three outings between the three levels, and he hasn't walked a guy yet. The velocity is higher. You, you see, a, there, was, there was a picture of him. He was in Toronto on the field with the, the training staff on the Friday before his start in Buffalo. And he looks significantly, like, like he's in significantly better shape than we've ever seen before he looks uh, more muscular more more trimmed down uh, he really looks like a guy who really 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 wants to come back and contribute here down the stretch and I mean it makes sense because he's in the fourth of the the fourth year of his contract he doesn't want his career to end on Tommy John's surgery he doesn't want to you know just disappear fade into oblivion have to you know sign like a like a show me contract next year he wants to pitch well down the stretch he wants to contribute to the team wants to earn himself another contract next year of course it all makes sense um yeah but i mean like when 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 you're talking about ryu it's like no one could have seen i don't think realistically him doing this well this fast like he 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 underwent tommy john last year in mid-june and we're sitting here in mid-July right now, and he's already put together three good rehab starts. It's probably going to be two more starts in Buffalo, maybe only one more start. Uh, if all goes well, he's going to be up with the Jays, and that puts him into an interesting spot because you can only have 13 pitchers on your roster on your 26, man. So he's on the 60-day injured list, needs a 40-man spot. Also, they need to get rid of a pitcher that's currently on the team. They don't have that many guys with options. The ones that do have options are guys like Nate Pearson, who you'd obviously rather not send down to Buffalo. So this is where we circle back to the Mitch White conversation. I mean, it's a pretty it's it's two birds with one stone. If you DFA Mitch White, then you open up the 40 man spot. You open up the spot in the 26 man roster as well for Ryu. But again, the Jays paid a decent price to acquire White last year. There's a reason they did it. There's something they like. You don't really want to risk losing a guy for free. Like obviously, if White goes on waivers, someone's going to take him. There's there's going to be a rebuilding team there. Whoever that there's, there's there's even contending teams that that need pitching depth and will be willing to take a flyer on somebody. Like he's obviously not going to clear through waivers. So difficult situation to be in. But at the end of the day, the Jays are a contending team. Sometimes you have to bite the bullet sunk cost fallacy. They've already paid. It, it, it is what it is at this point. Like you have to, be, you have to, I keep on almost saying ice your best roster like hockey, but I keep stuck. <laughs> you, have to, you, have to, you have to feel, you, you have, have to feel your roster. No, you have to diamond your best roster. <laughs> you have to yeah. diamond your best roster every single game because there ain't much room for error down the stretch. Um, it kind of is what it is. Um, the positive here is Ryu's pitching incredibly well. Maybe they figure something out with White. Maybe they can come up with some phantom injury and hide him on the injured list. It kind of feels like that's what's happening right now with Adam Simber. Like that's a name we just haven't mentioned in 
forever. I, I forgot he was on the team. I, right? He's just been sitting on the 15 day IL. I have no idea what the injury is. Like, it feels like eventually you're just going to hide him on the 60, 60 day injured list, right? Like, maybe they can just do that with Mitch White as well. Who knows? But I don't know. At the end of the day, it's a good problem to have. You have too many arms, which I mean, how many teams can say that? Like, usually the problem is, man, we don't have enough guys to clear all these innings. And now suddenly the Jays might have six starters. Like, that's uh, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, and like you talked about, you have to put the best possible product out there because of, A, the playoff race you're in, and more specifically, the division you're in. Like, you can't afford to take weekends or weeks off because you'll get passed. Like, we've already seen that. Uh, we'll talk about it here in the, in the ALA's report, but like, the Red Sox have caught the Yankees. The Orioles have caught the Rays. And the Jays are kind of sitting in between those two ends of the spectrum where the entire division is within less than 10 games of each other. Like it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. So I want to float this idea to you and you can tell me I'm totally out to lunch here about what to do with this pitching, the pitching staff as a whole. Is there any chance that a team would be willing to trade for probably not Mitch White because of a, what we've seen and they know the situation the Jays are in with him, but like maybe one of these other arms out of the pen a guy that, you know, has played well, but maybe you're not quite as sold on long term that you can trade that body out to create the space rather than probably losing Mitch White for nothing, even if that's the the most likely scenario. That's an interesting thing. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say because I think when I think about the Jays at full health, I'm like five man rotation that features Gosman, Barrios, Bassett. Manoa and Ryu are your five. I think Kikuchi goes into the bullpen. I mentioned this either two or three podcasts ago. He, he can be a weapon for them there. It's not a demotion. He can be a very good left-handed reliever. I'm not really sure who from the group would go because you have Romano's your closer. Swanson's been great. Tim Mays has been one of the best lefties in baseball. Jimmy Garcia is heating up. Richards has been amazing this year. And then you're, you're kind of getting to the list there where it's like, mm, is Nate Pearson one of the names you move in a deal to do something else? Like our, our next topic here, and this is, this is kind of a good segue that there's a rumor that came out that the Jays are apparently in the mix to acquire Marcus Stroman, former, former Blue Jay, who's having a fantastic year for the Chicago Cubs. He's got a 2.88 ERA, started 20 games, already pitched almost 120, 20 innings. I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe part of if, if, if the Jays were to pull the trigger on a deal like that, or they were going to get a big right handed bat, maybe it's White and Pearson moving as well to open up spots on the 26 men. It's, it's a weird puzzle to think about because you'd, you'd really rather not lose somebody for free. But I wonder if there's a team out there who sees something in Mitch White and they're like, ah, I'll throw the Jays a uh, non 40 man B level prospect. Never know. But given the way he's pitched this year, it's, it's, it, 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 I mean, every GM can look at the writing on the walls here and see the Jays impending roster crunch. And they're like, ah, it looks like this guy's probably going to be on waivers pretty soon. So it's, I don't know. It's interesting stuff. It's going to be, I don't think this trade deadline is going to be like super exciting. I don't think that there's much going on after Shoei Otani, but it'll be interesting for the Jays because even if they just make some minor moves, someone's got to go like they they have a quite, quite a roster crunch and there just isn't going to be room for everybody else. So it will be interesting to see how they navigate it. And this isn't something that get you see very much in baseball, partly because I think so much time gets put into scouting players and to evaluate them and stuff. But like you see it a lot more in football, basketball and hockey. I think especially where like, let's just say they were to pawn Mitch White off for, either a draft pick or some middling type prospect. Like the Jays are pretty barren in the former of those two categories, uh, prospects wise. So like if you were just to get a body back and then use that 
since you don't have very many good prospects to trade, trade that prospect then in part of something else for maybe that 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 right-handed bat the the lineup so desperately needs or whatever the case. But yeah, what you said about the fact it's tough to pick what name you're going to pull out of there to trade away if that was something they're an idea they're entertaining. It's you feel bad about it no matter what because they've all played so well and the fact that that has just such a possibility to bite you in the ass come down the stretch where a couple injuries to your pen and all of a sudden you're, yeah. you're scrambling. So losing only just Mitch White for nothing as opposed to having to pay somebody something else, like another reliever to take Mitch White off your hands, I think that probably is, is too much potential to to come back and bite you. So yeah, a long way away around to just land at the same spot where I think you're right. GMs can see pro- they can just wait it out and and get even if he's not playing well, another arm and another body in Mitch White for free. So the the Strowman rumor, I'll, it puzzles me because if there is one t- thing that this team doesn't really look like it needs is another starting arm. What do, you, what do you make of this? And what do you maybe like from what you've heard and read and stuff kind of look at as the likelihood of this actually happening and Strowman making a return to the Blue Jays? I don't know. It's, it is a really interesting one. I, I know a lot of people think this is impossible because Stroman didn't leave on the greatest terms here. He criticized the front office when they traded him to the New York Mets. He wanted to sign an extension here. They decided they didn't want him around while they were rebuilding. They didn't want Marcus Stroman and Josh Donaldson to be the loudest voices in the room when Bo and Vlad, Cabin Biggio, Guriel, Teoscar, all those guys were, you know, coming through and becoming the, the, the new core of the team, which Fair enough. But I mean, the, the, I mean, at the end of the day, like if, if there's, there's a, a ton of different ways to improve the team. And I think the number one need is pretty obviously a big right handed bat for the middle of the lineup. But if there isn't a good right handed bat out there for you to get, then just look for a different way to improve the team. And if you add Marcus Stroman, who's, I mean, he's, like I said, he's been fantastic this year. He's, he's, um, his contract expires or he has an opt out in his contract this year. And every indication is that he's obviously going to not opt in and continue with the Cubs on the deal that he signed. And he's going to hit the free agent market again and cash in. I mean, you have a very, very motivated player to who would love to join a contending team and make a difference. Like I think in Marcus Stroman's head, he can visualize himself being the 2023 version of David price who came to the blue Jays and became their ACE. I mean, the Jays obviously have an ACE in Kevin Gosman and they have a, another kind of ACE right behind that and Jose Barrios. But if they added themselves another one slash two starter in Stroman, then I mean, they probably have the best pitching staff in the American league by a, a pretty decent margin. And then, you know, there's, you know, like we're, we're talking about Ryu coming back and Manoa's fixed, like everything's perfect, but you know, there's no guarantee that Ryu comes back and pitches well. There's no guarantee that Manoa continues to pitch well after his great start in Detroit. Maybe it was a one-off and he's still a pumpkin for the rest of the year. Who knows? Like, because the uh, Tigers do suck. So. Yeah, exactly. The Tigers are dog shit. Like <laughs> beating the Detroit Tigers doesn't really mean all that much. So yeah, there is a possibility the Jays could still benefit significantly from adding a pitcher like Stroman. It's just, what's that going to cost you? And are they comfortable parting with the prospects the Cubs are probably going to want? Um, you never know. And I mean, the other interesting thing with the Cubs too is the, the Jays were interested in adding Cody Bellinger as a free agent over the offseason. And that's another guy that the Cubs are probably going to trade. He's on a one-year show-me deal. There's no need 
you know, they're not making the playoffs. So it would make sense, of course, for them to trade them off to a contender for some prospects. You know, would the Jays pull the trigger on a huge trade for two guys like that and just completely wipe out the farm system? I don't know. Maybe like, uh, like <laughs> it, it, it could potentially happen. But personally, I think this deadline is going to be a quiet one. I think it's going to be more like 2016 where we just see the team add some depth. But hey, you never know. I'd, I'd, I'd be thrilled with a, a Marcus Stroman reunion. I think he'd be, I, I think it'd be an exciting fit for the team right now. He'd really add, he'd really add some energy to the team down the stretch. Not like they're struggling with energy or anything like that, but I think, I think he'd be a fun player to have come join the team for a playoff run. I don't think he's somebody they would sign as a free agent long term, but bring him in, add to the excitement down the stretch, playoff run, pushing for the division. I think it'd be exciting. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, even if, if the price is high, if it, if it can be done, I mean, flags fly forever. And if, if you look around the American League right now, like with the Rays bad second half and even Texas kind of like not being as dominant as we maybe thought they would be the entirety of this season. You have to think that there's a re- very real chance to win the pennant this year. And if that means, you know, really shelling out, you got to do it. And uh, I'm al- I've always been a proponent of that for teams, regardless of sport. Uh, it's all about you look at your opportunity and, and seizing it. So, mm-hmm. um, but one of those teams that is going to be standing between them and that possible pennant is, uh, well, four other teams really are right <laughs> in the, right in the division. Uh, we can take a quick spin around the rest of the AL East in the AL East report. Starting with the rival New York Yankees, they were out in Rado this weekend where they actually lost two of three to the Rockies. Um, they're now four and six in their last 10. And like I said, they've fallen back. Boston, who will get to them at the back end of this, uh, won their series. They're now tied for fourth in the division. Um, the tough thing for the Yankees' stomach is that on Sunday, uh, Ace Garrett Cole had 11 strikeouts. Game went to extra innings, but... They, they couldn't, like, I think it was a bottom of 11th home run after the Yankees had scored runs in the top of 11 to go back ahead. Uh, the Rockies then walked it off on the bottom of the 11th. So it's, uh, the Rockies have actually played spoiler to a couple different teams. And they said, it, maybe it's just they stand out in my memory, uh, because of the fact that they are the Rockies and, you know, home runs there are always cooler. But, uh, some more bad news for, for the pinstriped Yankees is that Josh Donaldson hitting the injured list with a calf injury. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, however, has been playing quite well lately. He had four home runs in his past five games. And on Saturday in game two of this series against Colorado, he, uh, hit his 1000th RBI in the major league. So nice little milestone for Stanton there. And next up for the Yankees is a continued trip out further west to take on the slumping Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim in three games out on the west coast. The Tampa Bay Rays. The all-star break could not have come at a better time for them. They were struggling heading into it. They come out to play the terrible, 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 one more time, terrible Kansas City Royals. And the Rays took two of three off of them. Uh, they're still just three and seven, even with these two wins in their past 10. Shane McClanahan expected to return for game one tonight here on Monday uh, versus the Rangers. He's been on the 15-day injured list. And even his two previous starts before going on the list, he'd been dealing with some discomfort and, and short outings, leaving the games early. So hopefully he's, well, for the Rays' sake, hopefully back to full health as they look to get their season back on track. They are down to just a one-game lead in the division ahead of the Baltimore Orioles. Wow. And uh, yeah, next up for the Rays, three games versus the Texas Rangers, and then over the weekend, a very big four-game set against those same Baltimore Orioles, who swept the Marlins. Eight straight wins for the not-anymore-trash-birds. 
Kyle Bradish continues. He's had a good, a run of very good starts here. He continued that. Uh, and now they actually are doing a little bit of shifting around in their pitching staff of their own with Cole Irvin. Uh, he has been moved to the bullpen. Uh, who over the course of the season and kind of like he wasn't expected to be a starter necessarily kind of spot duties at eight starts record of one and three, five and a half ERA. But that's as a whole. If you just look at five starts he made from June 10th to 7th, July 7th, he was actually pretty good uh, with a 292 ERA and just a 1.22 whip. The reason for this move is that the Orioles are bringing back up their top pitching prospect, Grayson Rodriguez. They're going to give him another look here. Um, if we look back at Rodriguez, he made the team out of camp. And he made 10 starts from in April and May, but it was not pretty. Uh, 7.35 ERA and a 2-2 two and two record in that time. So he went back down to AAA Norfolk where he has been lights out. 1.69 ERA since going back down. So they're going to give him another look here. Uh, they have three games versus the Dodgers down at Camden Yards before, like I said, they meet with the Rays over the weekend. And I think they have their eyes set on first place here before that first pitch is thrown with their interdivision series over the weekend. And lastly, the Red Sox, they won two of three in Chicago versus the Cubs. Like I mentioned, off the top, moved into a tie for fourth place in the AL East. Uh, Masataki Yoshida, he hit a grand slam, had six RBIs to go with Cutter Crawford's nine strikeouts in game three on Sunday to win that series. They'd uh, each, they'd split the first two games and uh, some pitching news for the Red Sox as well. Jake Feria, he has been called back up since being DFA'd back in mid-April. He came on in relief. It was supposed to be mop-up duty on Sunday. Did not go well. Five runs, four hits, four walks in just two innings pitched for uh, him. And it, it was a bit of a weird situation for Feria. He got cut from the 40-man roster back in the spring. Uh, and then it was like the minor league team for the Red Sox still picked up his contract. And now he kind of was re-added here over the or like last week, I believe it was, and then actually got back in action here. But I think his stint back with the big club might be pretty brief if he has any more outings like that. It doesn't seem like very long ago, Cam. I'm just going to switch this over so we can take a look at our standings. Right, this one here. Oh, there we are. <laughs> um like it doesn't seem like that long ago that we were talking about no teams were really playing super well. It was kind of like five and five, six and four, four and six across almost the entire American league. That's still the case mostly with the exception of the Red Sox, Orioles and Toronto who are all eight and two in their past 10. And so we talked about this sweep over the D backs almost being surprising for the Jays. It was like, yeah, we kind of almost expected them to lose one game. Arizona's a good team. They needed this sweep just to keep pace because I feel like I'm beating the dead horse here. This division just keeps proving it. And the Yankees and Red Sox aren't going to go away, even though they've fallen down behind the Blue Jays. It is a matter of the of Toronto having aspirations of not just keeping pace, but continuing to climb. And if they can, like I said, catch up to where Toronto or Baltimore and Tampa Bay are, pardon me, and all of a sudden it's a three-way race for the top of the division, that will make for a great last month and a half or so of the season here um, as we get into late July and early August. I, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, this looks like it could be like an all-time exciting race for a division. Like the, the Jays are hitting their stride. The Orioles are killing it. The Rays are slowing down, but they're not bad. Like we jokingly call them frauds, but they're not bad. They're still a playoff team. The Red Sox and the Yankees are the Red Sox and the Yankees. I mean, the way it looks right now is there's a, I mean, a team could finish with like 86 or 87 wins and finish last in the AL East. So when you're the Jays, like you can't just come into the second half and be pretty good. You have to come into the second half and, you know, kick the door down and do extremely well. So 
if the if the Jays are gonna like we're talking about catching Tampa being impossible, but look at the way Baltimore is playing. Like it looks like it's gonna be even more difficult to catch Baltimore given the way things are going and the two teams on your heels, like neither of those teams is a joke. Um actually something I wanted to bring up about the Yankees, and this is <laughs> really weird i saw this on twitter someone's running a conspiracy theory around that aaron judge isn't actually injured he instead failed a drug test for steroids and the league is trying to cover it up why would that happen it doesn't make any sense that would be crazy i'm on board with it because that would be awesome for chaos right no no crazy besides the fact that i think jay's fans would eat that up like christmas dinner um you talk about the rays and how yeah they they are struggling but they're still a good ball team the run differential in this division i don't have these ones to put on the screen but i'll just read them off for you so the yankees down in fifth place plus 17 red Sox plus 32 toronto plus 44 Baltimore plus 53. The Tampa Bay Rays run differential plus 152. Almost or 99 runs better in differential than the second place Orioles who are only behind them by one game. So there is a kind of a bit of an advanced stat uh, expected win loss record based on your run loss different or runs for and against uh, the Orioles who are 57 and 35. Their expected record is 51 and 41. Whereas the Rays are 60 and 36 and their expected record is 63 and 33. So if you look at that, it seems like that gap should be a little bit bigger than the one game it has shrunk to. But you know what? We'll, we'll take that for, you know, take it for what it's worth at face value. Because if you go down to the, uh, the National League Central, this is a funny one. First place Milwaukee is a differential of minus eight. Third place Chicago Cubs have a differential of plus 21. What? Yeah, really. They're, the Cubs. Chicago Cubs are the only team in the National League Central with a positive run differential. What about the AL Central? That's actually not as bad as you'd think because they get to play each other. They do get to play each other, but the Twins plus thirty-two. Everyone else is in the negatives. Kansas City negative one hundred and fifty-eight. What's their What's their Pythagorean win loss on that? Because they're they're really twenty-seven and sixty-seven. Are they worse? They're than expected to be thirty-two and sixty-two. Ah. So they're underachieving a little bit. They could be absolutely terrible instead of absolutely dog shit. They should be better. The Oakland Athletics, their expected record is the same as their actual record, 25 and 70, with a run differential of negative 253. Goodness. That is 100 worse than any other team in the major leagues. That is insane. But anyway, that was a fun little deep dive into some uh, statistics for everyone to wrap up the AL East report. Uh, God, this division, it's infuriating, but exciting at the same time because no matter what you know you're going to see some decent baseball when you're when you're tuning in so to wrap up the show let's take a look ahead to the upcoming series that the toronto blue jays have with the san diego padres they're off today here on monday everyone uh, else in the division is getting underway with their series but tuesday we will see alec manoa make his second starts in his re- since his return uh, versus joe musgrove Jose Barrios on Wednesday versus Hugh Darvish. And then Thursday, Chris Bassett will uh, come back around again to play versus Blake Snell for taking off to Seattle for the weekend. What uh, do you think we can expect here in this series versus the West Coast San Diego Padres in town for uh, this three-game set? I can't wrap my head around the Padres or, or how they're this bad. They're 44 and 50. They, I, yeah, I mean, like... 
you look at the roster and the talent's all there. And I mean, look at two of the pitchers the Jays are going up against this series. Blake Snell's ERA is 2.71. Joe Musgrove is 3.29. You Darvish hasn't been great at 4.65, but even that's not like, it's not relentlessly terrible. We've seen worse than that. And then their lineup, you look at all the big names. There's Andrew Bogarts, Manny Machado, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. is back. And it's just not working out for them. The only guy that's, the Tatis is hitting well. Juan Soto's hitting well, but Bogarts and Machado haven't been that great. It's um, it's weird. I don't know. There's something wrong with this team. There's there's just something that's not working out. They have never really hit their stride. I mean, we we saw the Jays in 2013 when they had all the big names. Just because you have a whole bunch of big names doesn't mean it's going to work out. Um, given the way things have gone for the Padres this season, they were just swept in their or sorry they went they lost three of four to the Phillies in their um, return from the all-star break the Jays should be looking at another sweep here they're at home they have all the momentum in their favor I mean San Diego's throwing good pitchers at you but you've been pitching really well yourself as well you're coming off of an off day Uh, I mean they just swept the Diamondbacks why not go ahead and sweep the Padres as well that would be terrific. That would be great. Uh, and then you kind of hope for some of the other teams around the division to stumble. And all of a sudden you're within, you know, four and a half, four games of, uh, of both the Orioles and the Rays. That would be, that would have us, uh, meeting on Sunday, I think feeling pretty good about ourselves, but I almost feel like there is a, a potential here for a letdown spot with the Jays, uh, between the surprise sweep of the D backs. I don't think it'll come in the Manoa game. I, if I had to guess, I think when you see Blake Snell across from you, he is, he's just so good. Uh, he's one of my favorite pitchers actually across the majors. And the fact that Bassett has to go on what once again, technically won't be short rest because of the, the off day, but it's almost like kind of just putting him back into a spot where it's, it feels like short rest. Maybe still, I shouldn't speak. I'm not a major league pitcher, but I don't know. I, that game kind of looks, it looks at me like, um, or it looks to me like a, maybe a potential letdown spot for them in this series, but positive vibes only. They're going to sweep. Yeah, we're hoping uh, the Jays are going to sweep San Diego here, and they're going to jump on the plane, and they are going to go sweep the Seattle Mariners, return the favor for last year. They're going to make all the BC and Alberta fans, including Tyler, who's on his 15th vacation of the year, and will be watching the Jays and Mariners <laughs> on the weekend. The Jays are going to go, and they're finally going to kick through in Seattle, and they're going to knock the Mariners out of the playoff race. That's uh, that's our predictions for the upcoming thing. They're going to win the every game for the rest of the season. Undefeated down the home stretch. I love it. Bat- yeah, never seen before. Unprecedented. Undefeated exactly. after the All-Star break. All righty, Cam. Will you enjoy the series against the Padres? And we'll chat with you later on this week. Best wishes. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.